You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to the world. The world's fueled by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. We're fueled by the love of Jesus Christ. It's His love that compels us. It's His love that constrains us. Don't listen to the world. And just because it's a popular decision doesn't make it the right decision. Just because the majority rules doesn't make it right. Judge by principle. Judge by your moral compass, the Word of God. This is what we're to judge by. So often, it's easier to do what everyone else is saying, give in to that mob mentality. But we are not to do this. As Christians, we are to be the salt and light of this world. In today's message, Pastor Dave will show how the crowd swayed Pilate to crucify Jesus and how the mind of an unbeliever under pressure can easily give in. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 19 as he continues his message, Behold the man, behold the king. You are He's a true politician. It's interesting. I read this somewhere. A true coward knows what is right, but does not do it. Wow, let me say that again. A true coward knows what is right, but does not do it. Wow. But that's not the worst of it. The worst thing that Pilate is suffering, he has absolutely no reality of the one true living God. He's a pagan. He has no reality of the one true living God. But inwardly, something's telling him that this man in front of him is innocent. He disregards all rules of Roman law, the lying religious leaders before him, the crowd screaming for Jesus' death, the truth finally revealed. He is so distracted that he doesn't know what to do. He has all kinds of fears and concerns. He just takes justice, you know, the blind lady with the scales. He just takes her and throws her right out the window. We're going to worry about justice anymore. And instead of making a strong decision, he compromises with the crowd. He fears the Jewish influence and thinking that the man before him, maybe he's something different. Maybe there is something different about this man. It starts to tear Pilate apart. Look at this picture we have. If I free this guy, is there going to be a riot? If there's a riot, will Caesar come and and remove me from office? If there's a riot, will I be charged with something? Maybe I'll be killed. I'm a little concerned about this. And to top it off, to top it all off, in Matthew, it's recorded that Pilate's wife tells him, eh, I dream about this guy. He's a little bit righteous. You need to stay away from him. Wait a minute. Now, Mama, tell me I can't do anything. I'm in trouble. What am I going to do now? I got my wife telling me there's something wrong with the guy. So he's really torn up. He really doesn't know what to do, and his conflict continues in his heart. He is so good, so he appeals to Jesus. I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to pull him in. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. And went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. 
Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus wouldn't speak to him. Jesus had already said enough. He couldn't believe that Jesus wasn't intimidated by this. I mean, Rome was judging him. He could be put to death. He was different than any prisoner that had ever stood before Pilate. Pilate couldn't understand this. But then Jesus responds. Jesus makes this incredible response to Pilate in verse 11. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. This just absolutely frustrates Pilate. He is so desperate. He asserts his authority over Jesus' destiny, trying to motivate him. Don't you know who I am? Pilate believes he's in control. I love these kind of people who think they're totally in control over everything. And yet, they're in control over nothing. Pilate wasn't in control. The Lord God Jehovah was in complete control. He had everything in the palm of hand, and everything was going exactly as he designed, exactly as he foretold. Pilate had no authority when it came to the life of Jesus. He was a pawn in this drama that involved Jesus Christ. And through all this, we see Jesus, his majestic character shining forth. Even though he was beaten, even though he was brutalized, even though he was abused in every single way, on trial for his life, he never loses composure. Never loses composure. Standing there in all his royalty, just standing there glowing. Never broke character. This probably even frustrated Pilate all the more because Jesus never showed him that he was in control. He was never worried about it. Even as the double-minded Pilate facilitates out of control, who is this man? Where is he from? What kind of consequences is he going to bring to my family? What if I'm judged wrongly? Pilate takes Jesus' words and seeks once more to release him. He hears them. What do you mean? He says, I love this, he says, Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. What? What does that mean? Answer this question to me. Who delivered Jesus to Pilate? Not Herod. A little bit further. The Jews are highly responsible. That's right, but it goes a little higher than that. The high priest, Caiaphas, Annas, the ones who are supposed to be the leader of the, of the uh, nation. But the Jews were definitely responsible. They were going to pay for this. So he takes Jesus' word. Look at 12a. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. Pilate really wanted to release Jesus. He didn't want him to die. He found no fault in him. But he still has to deal with this giant crowd standing out in front of him. They oppose him. They want Jesus dead. So they lower the final boom. They had the boom, then the boom, boom. Now the boom, boom, boom. They are ready to lower it now. Towards Jesus. This was the big one. They've had this in their pocket all along. And now we're going to use it. Because they know what kind of guy Pilate is. They know he's a coward. They know he fears man. They know he loves his job. And they know that he loves Caesar. So they lower the boom on him. And here it comes in verse 12b. But the Jews cried out saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Uh-oh, Pilate, Mm-mm. coming against Caesar. Don't want to do that. 
Don't want to do that, big guy. They threatened Pilate. They threatened him with sedition. They threatened him with rebellion against Caesar if he doesn't comply with their wishes. So basically, now these Jews, these royal priesthood, these Jews who are loving or are supposed to be so above everything, what do they resort to? Blackmail. Extortion. These are upstanding guys, huh? These are cool. Pilate is really afraid now. Why? Well, because Caesar could have his head. His head could be on the chopping block. Now, if he doesn't do what these guys want, he could be in trouble. So now he was really stumped. So he had to sit down and think about this. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do? So he said, okay, he comes up with one last stitch effort. One last stitch effort. He said, then, and look at 13 and 14. When Pilate therefore heard that the saying, he brought Jesus out, sat down in the judgment seat in the place where it is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, behold your king. So he moves, he makes this move from behold the man to behold your king, thinking that this would appease them. He's in panic mode. He's in complete panic mode. He knows this is an innocent man. He knows he should be set free, but yet the full force of the crowd and the religious leaders are demanding crucifixion. There's an interesting point here that we can't miss. It's preparation day. Preparation day for the Passover. Preparation day for the high Sabbath that is going to take place. What do they do on preparation day? What is being prepared? A sacrifice. The lambs. Oh, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, is being prepared for crucifixion. He's being prepared for the sacrifice in this very thing right here. Preparation day is taking place. See, nothing's wasted in God's word. Don't read over it so fast and think, oh, that's just, no, nothing's wasted. You got to look at it for what it is. It's preparation day. He says, behold your king. Why did Pilate say this? Maybe he really believed that Jesus was the king of the Jews. But he presented Jesus to the crowd just as he was before he was just a man. Clothed in purple with a crown of thorns, bleeding profusely, probably having a hard time to stand up. But now he's a king. Behold, you're king. Surely they would accept him. Surely they would love him. Surely they would take call of him. Look at verse 15. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Another portrait, the angry mob. The angry mob with the hardened hearts. Anybody remember what happened in 1 Samuel? The beginning of 1 Samuel. Everybody remember what happened that the uh, Israelites did? Anybody remember what they did? They wanted a king, didn't they? They went and said, Anybody else has a king? We have to have a king. Why don't we have a king? We want to have a king like everybody else. God gave them Saul. But we know that the real king was going to be King David and all that transpired there. Now here, they're rejecting the one king. They're rejecting the king, the true king. And they're saying, we have no king except this pagan person, Caesar. This pagan guy, he's our king. They're going against God's word. 
They're not willing to take a different look. They're going against his word. And in verse 16, Pilate does what seems to us the unthinkable. Then he delivered him, Jesus, to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Pilate does the unthinkable. But remember, this is all part of God's plan for salvation. It's all part of God's plan coming forth, just as it was prophesied. What can we take away today? What can we take away from these scriptures today about these three portraits that we see? What can we take away? Well, we saw the beautiful example of Jesus during times of affliction, during times of trial, not reviling, not getting mad, keeping his composure, knowing that God was in control. We can take that away. We can take that away. And sometimes when we're trying to make a decision, whether it's big or small, don't listen to the crowd. Don't listen to the world. The world's fueled by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. We're fueled by the love of Jesus Christ. It's his love that compels us. It's his love that constrains us. Don't listen to the world. And just because it's a popular decision doesn't make it the right decision. Just because the majority rules doesn't make it right. Judge by principle. Judge by your moral compass, the word of God. This is what we're to judge by. We don't judge by feelings. We judge by what the word of God says, the Bible. We, as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us, we make our judge. And don't judge by popularity. Just because one thing or one person is more popular than another doesn't make them or it right. Don't be lulled in a false sense of security by what the world promotes and what the world gives. Be careful of mob mentality. Be careful of mob mentality. You get caught up into it. Everybody else is doing it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I told my mom everybody else was doing it, she would always say, if they all jumped over a bridge, would you go too? <laughs> mob mentality. <laughs> mob mentality. Don't get caught up in mob mentality. We see that happening in our world today. In our own United States, there's mob mentality. And it's going to come to a head just like it did then. You're a child of the Most High God. Amen. You are a king's kid. You should be relying on the Holy Spirit in you to show you and guide you and lead you into all truth because that's one of the Holy Spirit's job. Don't let your fear of man play in any part in your decision-making. Don't make a decision to please someone. Make a decision that the Lord leads you through his word. Pilate feared consequences from Caesar. Fear and anger often go together. When we're afraid, we become weak, and we, we, we don't know what we're doing to remain strong. Pilate reminded Jesus of his authority. Well, don't you know I have authority here? And Jesus said, you don't have authority here. Who do you think you are? You have absolutely no authority here. I know who's controlling. It's not you, pal. But it didn't demonstrate power. It demonstrated weakness. If he had true authority, what would he have done? Release Jesus. If he really had true authority, he would have said, Oh, the heck with you guys. You're free. He didn't have any power. God was in control. The whole thing was God going on. When the pressure is on people, when things are critical, when you're faced with a life-changing spiritual decision, fear the Lord, not man. Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the sum of all knowledge. We need to look to the Lord for all our needs and all our answers. 
and, and, and leave him. Interesting, Pilate was so spiritually blind. He was a pagan. He had no regard for God. He had no spiritual thinking. But Annas and Caiaphas and the other Jewish leaders are so much more responsible than he because they should have known. The scriptures speak of the Holy One. The scriptures speak of the Messiah that was going to come. But they ignored him because of their greed. They ignored him because of their prejudice and their own lust and their own power hungry. Pilate did his best to blame the Jews, to deny any personal responsibility for Jesus' fate. He even went to bowing to a Jewish tradition, and you can read about this in Matthew. They bring him a bowl of water, and he washes his hand and said, I wash my hands of this innocent man's blood. You can look at that. But I think in his heart he knew Jesus was innocent. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew that the buck stopped with him. And he was forced into a decision that he didn't want to make. He didn't have to make it. You know, each of us are facing a decision this morning and what to do with the spiritual choices that have come our way. Everyone is faced with spiritual choices. We're faced with spiritual choices every single day, every single hour. We need to take responsibility for our spiritual choices. We cannot escape the responsibility, how hard we try. I don't want to make that decision. You make that decision. When it comes to a spiritual decision, we need to step forward and we need to make it, especially when it comes to Jesus Christ and following after him. Some of us are men pleasers. Some of us are crowd followers. Some of us are popularity seekers. Some of us are looking for other things other than Jesus Christ. Some of us would be right in that crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him, only a week before yelling, hail to the king. Some of us vacillate back and forth on the decisions. We can't know, should I go right, should I go left, should I do this, should I do that? When we have a guide, we have a Holy Spirit within us who leads us and guides us and shows us everywhere we need to do and what we need to do. We need to be relying on God, not man. We need to be relying on God's Holy Spirit that he gave each of us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, and he is our guide. He leads us into the truth. He represents Jesus to us and presents him and shows him and conforms us into his image. He's constantly working and working and working, but you have to allow him. You have to allow him. You can't back up and go, I don't want any part of this. Don't grieve or quench or ignore the Holy Spirit. Allow him in your life and to do your will. I hope that you're not here this morning and Jesus is standing before you and you're looking upon him, your God and your Savior, and your question comes, what am I going to do with you? What am I going to do with this? Behold the man, behold the king. Well, which is he? Who is he? Where is he from? I don't know. I hope that's not you. I hope that's nobody in here who, who looks at Jesus and says, who is this guy? Who is he? What will you do with him when the time comes? What will you do with him when the power meets the road? What were you going to do with him? Will you reject him? Well, you certainly can. Will you reject him for all the wrong reasons that Pilate did? Or will you receive the one who died for you in your sins, who took your place and rose again to prove himself to you? Will you receive him by faith as your Lord and Savior? The world doesn't believe him. The world rejects him on a whole. The world wants something to do with him. The world is glad that the Christmas season is over so they don't have to hear about him anymore on television and things like that. They're satisfied with that. Are you? Is, is that where your life lives? You don't want to follow Jesus because you might look bad? 
Your friends might talk about you. I got news for you. Your friends talk about you anyhow. I might as well give them something really good to talk about. I love it. When I became born again, I loved it when they said, when did you receive religion? What? I never received religion. I received Jesus Christ. Yeah, they may make fun of you. Yeah, they may cast you aside. Yeah, they may not be your friends anymore. And if that be the case, you don't need them. But you need Jesus. You need Jesus more than anything. You need Jesus more than you think you need Jesus. Let me tell you that. You need Jesus. We're at a point in the Gospel of John where Jesus is picking up his cross and he's going to start to carry it through the streets of Jerusalem. He's going to have to carry that cross for a long time. He's going to end up on a hill in the shape of a skull's face called Golgotha. And they're going to nail him to a cross and they're going to stand that cross up for all to see. What are you going to do with him? Will you receive him? Will you look at that sacrifice and say, thank you? Or you receive what he's done? Are you still in that rejection mode where you reject him completely and I don't want any part of him and that mob mentality? Well, they don't believe in him. Why should I? It's always a choice, folks. It's always a choice. Pilate had that choice and he struggled with that choice. Maybe you're struggling with that choice today. Maybe you're struggling with that choice. Maybe you've come here today because you're confused. You really haven't decided about this Jesus person, and you're confused about him. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you've had religion, and you've heard about him, but you would never thought about this born-again experience. A born-again? I used to have a friend of mine that had a bench out in front of a big sign on her, and it said, no solicitors, no this, no that, and no born-againers. First place I went when I received the Lord. Maybe you're on that fence and you haven't decided. Maybe you once were there, but you fell away. You've drifted. You've passed away. And now you're faced back again with the same thing. What are you going to do with him? I got news for you, folks. Jesus isn't going away. He is not going away in your life. He will always be in front of you. If you've accepted him and have turned your back on him, he is always with you. I will never leave nor forsake you. I will be with you even until the end of the age. You can't shake him off and just say, well, no, I I didn't make it. No, he's always there. And if you left him and you turn around, guaranteed he's right there with his arms open. Well, he'll welcome you back. So what are you waiting for? Why are you so resistant? To the Holy Spirit got Stephen killed when they were resistant to the Holy Spirit. He called them stiff-necked. Don't be resistant. Jesus is waiting for you. And you have to make that decision. Sometime in your life, you will have to make that decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? Struggle with it no more. Make the decision. Accept or reject. It's totally up to you. Totally up to you. You are the book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. But the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. 
So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.